Good morning to everyone, and uh, again, hope that you'll pray for us during the time that we stand before you this morning. <clears throat> again, I know we're meeting a little earlier. Uh, for my benefit, maybe some others in the congregation too, but especially for my benefit for uh, trying to get up to where my parents are buried and uh, try to, uh, I guess, show some respects to that, but also to visit with some of the family that I only see once a year. So uh, thank you for that, and uh, trust and hope that you'll pray for me this morning as we stand before you. Uh, as many of you know, uh, uh, we started some few months ago, I guess, talking about the, uh, the subject of election, and in doing that, uh, uh, ended up over in the book of Romans, and, uh, and I realized that there was a need, maybe at least I felt an impression to, uh, to preach through some things beginning in Romans 8 uh, over into 9 uh, and 10, and uh, so that's where I want to go back to this morning is to, to continue to look at some things that we find find in there uh and again i'd say it probably all of it falls under an umbrella of election but also just uh taking a look at these portions of scripture that we understand uh god is sovereign and god makes makes a choice uh makes a choice of a people uh and you know all i think we should be able to say is like uh like it says i guess the uh uh, the portion of scripture that we read last last week or uh, a few weeks ago when it says in uh, Romans 9, uh, <clears throat> therefore he hath mercy on whom, at verse 18, he will have mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will he hardeneth. That will say then unto me, why doth he yet find fault uh, for who hath resisted his will? Nay, but O man, thou, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? So I think that 20th verse was the one I really wanted to get to. But uh, why, you know, why should we say, why has God done the way he's done things? Because God is just in the way he's done things, whether we totally understand that or not. And so uh, what we need to do is pray for understanding that God give us understanding of why he's done things the way he's done things. And uh, that we just understand and believe his word for the truth and the fullness that's therein. Uh, Again, I would. My mind has really been stirred up on some things around Genesis, so I really almost want to take a detour. But I'll just, I'll just say this. You know, <clears throat> Brother Adams talked about several times here on Wednesday night about man was made in God's image, uh, and I thought, you know, somehow or another, in the course of all this, uh, it, it turned back around to thinking about the fact that God chose a a people, a bride for his son before the foundation of the world and that we were in Christ. And again, a very beautiful picture in creation. Uh, God God made man in his image. Uh, we find this first force, he formed Adam out of the dust of the earth. Uh, and Eve wasn't immediately there. Uh, she was in waiting. I thought, you know, the Bible says that God said he, that it was not good that man be alone. And I thought, you know, and, and man was made in the image of God. And God, God must have decided it was not good for him to be alone. And he formed this old world and this whole people so that he might have a companion. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that rich yeah. to even think about? Uh, and that then, then the whole picture of creation of Adam and Eve and coming forth from his side and so forth. Then you just, the whole thing. Then you go back and say... Wow, Genesis is all about uh, is a whole picture of the of the creation of his bride and his church. And I, so anyway, it just gets rich when you start thinking about all that type of stuff. So as we turn this morning, I want to turn over to uh, uh, to Romans chapter ten. That's where we left off at the end of nine, I think, last time. And uh, as we do this. Uh, uh, before we just tear into this, you know, there's some obvious things that, you know, that will come out that you've probably heard before as we go through Romans 10. Uh, but as we think about this, uh, I want us to think about how the, the, the whole picture of Romans has been coming about that uh, we're justified by, by faith. And, and the, the picture of that is shown out in Abraham who believed God uh, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness and that the seed of Christ would then come through his lineage and, and so forth. And uh, as we think about all of that, the, the Bible makes it very plain in Romans 5 and so forth that we are justified before God by the blood of Jesus Christ and by his grace. 
But then it does talk about how we are justified by our, uh, by our faith. Uh, I don't think that's an eternal justification that we're justified by our faith. But in, in the fact that Abraham was justified by his faith, and the whole evidence of that is he believed God. God told him uh, to, to leave a land. God told him uh, that he would give him a son. Uh, and again, I think I mentioned this last week about, you know, I think it's very interesting or mind-stirring that uh, Abraham believed God. And then Abraham uh, then looked around and said, hmm, I've got no lineage. So he went and asked God. He went and asked God, and God told him, said, yeah, you're old, but you're going to have a child. And he believed God, <laughs> and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, okay? And I think there's a whole something there in all of that, how God blessed him because of his belief. He believed God. God, in turn, blessed him, and he still believed God, and God blessed him. You see what I'm saying? So there's a, there's a blessing in belief. And so as we follow this through uh, the book of Romans, Paul makes it evidently clear, you know, the struggles of the flesh, the struggles that we have here in this life, uh, but how we're uh, chosen, how we're called, how we're predestinated, and so forth. And he makes this whole argument there at the end of Romans 8, uh, you know, about uh, whom he did foreknow, then he predestinated, and he gives that whole thing of showing, again, God's choice. He carries that over into Romans 9 and tells us about two twin boys by, the, uh, by his uh, promised child, Isaac, uh, uh, Jacob and Esau, and how God, the whole thing in these two sons is showing forth God's election. Uh, it shows the choice that God made, how he loved Jacob and he didn't love Esau. And, and he goes and he asks that question, is there unrighteousness with God that God does this? And heaven forbid that there be unrighteousness with God in all that he does. Okay, so again, showing a choice all down through here. Now suddenly we get over here to Romans 10 and there's a continuing ongoing echo here in Romans 10 of what has been going on all through Romans of Paul's desire for his brethren of the Jews to hear and believe the gospel. He even talks about the fact he wished he, in 9, he said he wished he could be a curse for Christ. If, if they just believed in the things that he would believe, he said, I would be a curse for Christ's sake if they could just understand and see and believe the things that I see and believe. And, and, and you, you look at all this, the whole time he's pointing back to Abraham and said, Abraham believed. And he's talking to the Jews and telling those Jews that are there, Abraham was a Gentile. This was all before circumcision. This is like 500 years, you know, before this, uh, or not 500, but it was uh, before the circumcision was given to him as a sign and a seal of the fact that Abraham was a believer and a follower of him. He says, Abraham believed in uncircumcision. So he said, he's pointing out to the Jews, see, you don't have to be uh, a Jew. You don't have to be of the circumcision to be a believer. Abraham wasn't. Uh, and he goes through this whole thing and about and how important Abraham's belief was and how God blessed him in his belief, okay? So then we get over to Romans 10. <laughs> and, he's, and, and again, he's still focusing. He's shown the choice. He's shown the election. He's shown the struggles that we have in here this life. He's made this whole unfolding story of the fact that God has a people among the Jews and the Gentiles. This is a whole overriding theme in this book. Uh, and that, uh, so then he gets to Romans 10. And he says, brethren... <laughs> Well, for, let's go back just a fuzz. I, I keep saying that, but let's go back just a little fuzz before this. And he says, Christ was a stumbling stone. He said it was foretold and prophesied that God would set a, uh, in Zion a stumbling stone, a cornerstone that would be a stumbling stone to the Jews. They could not see that the Messiah had come because they weren't looking for a man to come lowly, even though it was foretold that he would come on the fold, the colt of an ass. Uh, he wouldn't come riding in on a white charger with a big army and conquer all the armies of Israel there at that place. Uh, they were looking for someone like that to come and to sit on David's throne, <clears throat> but, but he didn't come like that. It wasn't foretold that he would come like that. So, all right, so Romans 10. <laughs> Brethren... My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. 
This saving he's looking for here is not an eternal salvation. He's already plainly laid out that we are justified before God by the blood of Christ and by the grace of God. So he's not talking about an eternal deliverance. This is talking about a salvation that each and every one of us, including the Jews, Paul's brethren, need right here and now in this present world. And he, so he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And he goes on to explain then what the problem is with their knowledge. It's not that they, it's not that they had no knowledge. They had the oracles of God. They had the things of God's word. It was not like they didn't know anything. But he says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness... And I want you to stay with me in thinking on this. They being ignorant of God's righteousness. Yes, there might be, you might could take that and turn that into an eternal type thing. But I'm here to tell you the righteousness he's talking about is the same one he was talking about in in Romans chapter 4. This is a righteousness which is given to God's people and a blessing that's given to God's people through belief. Okay? And so he tells them. I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. They have not uh, gotten the, the belief in the things that they should have gotten out of God's word. And he says, they're, they're trying to do it all through the steps of the law. You know, I think over and over again about... Here over the last number of years, Brother Adams talked about how, you know, life doesn't need to become a checklist. Well, we, I check it off. I went to church this morning. I checklist. I, 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 was, I had my prayers today. I had my three prayers. I did this. You know, you began to, you know, well, the Jews had kind of done that with the law of God. They said, okay, I've got, uh, I've got to go make my sacrifice. Oh, I've got to do this on the Sabbath. Oh, now we're, you know, they added all these other restrictions to it, you know, that you can't walk so far on the Sabbath and you can't do this on the Sabbath and all these things that God didn't intend. But they, they had added all these things in and they were trying to keep the checklist because they thought that was their, their righteousness. They were doing, doing all the, the checklist. Uh, Paul says, You've missed you've missed some things, man. We could go back. I could take I could take this right here and go back over into to the, to the teachings of Jesus real easily, where he was upbraiding the Pharisees uh, and talking to them about how you know you, you're all about your your, your sacrifices of, of cumin and thyme and all these things that you're you're giving, but you've 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 missed the weightier things of mercy and righteousness and justice and so forth. You missed all the things that were behind the law. <laughs> you you missed all of that and you're trying to keep all the checklist and making sure you did this and that, but you missed the weightier matters of love and mercy and kindness and graciousness toward one another and lo- brotherly kindness and love and all those things. You've missed all that. He said, for, for I bear them record they have a zeal of God. Their desire was to do the right thing. The only trouble is they were missing the right thing by trying to do it all of themselves. They were trying to do it by their own labors, their own works and so forth. And he says, they being ignorant of God's righteousness... What righteousness are we talking about? Go back to Abraham and look at the righteousness that Abraham had by faith. And and you're going to have to follow you can almost follow this over into Hebrews and think about what he what he said. You know, the children of Israel, you know why they did not enter into Canaan's land originally? It was unbelief. What is it they failed to do? They failed to believe God. Uh, they didn't fail to believe in God. They failed to believe God. God told, God told them, enter into the land and I will give the land to you. And he says, okay, guys, it's time to get up and go. He says, well, I don't know about this. Well, there, there's an element of unbelief in not getting up and doing what God says to do. Now, 
<clears throat> boy, that could, that could, how does that apply to how we think today? You know, do I believe that loving my neighbor is the right thing? Well, are you doing it? <laughs> uh, uh, do I, do I believe that God says to love my enemies uh, also? <laughs> Well, are we doing it? Uh, do, do I believe that God's word tells me, you know, that I ought to be a servant, that I ought to give, that I ought to be baptized, that I ought to be a member of the church and do all those things? Do I believe? Am I doing that? Okay. You, you see what, I, what I'm saying? So he says, I bear them record they have a zeal of God, but it's not according to knowledge. And boy, I tell you, this gets really, you get over from 10 over into 11, because there's a whole thing in here where God has blinded some people uh, and, and, and closed their eyes. And I think, if y'all will stay with me, we'll, we'll walk through this. Uh, he says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to, uh, to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believe it <laughs> if you believe that jesus christ is the messiah there's no longer any need to try to do the law service there's no need to try to keep that old law you just believe in jesus christ as your savior and your salvation and you do the things that jesus taught and the word of god taught and i'll tell you there's a righteousness that flows out of that for the child of, for the child of god he says for moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. The law was very structured. Uh, and you had to keep it. Uh, you failed in any, in any area of it, you'd fail the whole law. Uh, and so it, it was very, uh, it's very hard. <laughs> in fact, I'll say it was, you know, if you kept a record probably of everything that should be done, they failed over and over and over again. You go back and look and read Leviticus and read all those sacrifices they were supposed to make for everything that every wrong and every problem. And I'll guarantee you the people of the children of Israel were failing over and over and over again, year after year. You know, even their best efforts were failing. So, okay. Uh, <clears throat> kind of makes, makes me feel good in one way because sometimes I think our best efforts here are failings. Not that we should go around and say, hey, I'm a failure. Uh, you know, I'm just saying the best efforts we do in our service to God, we're still failing. Uh, and uh, thank God for his grace and his mercy if it was dependent on what we do and so forth. But Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. You know, the law makes you very judgmental. The law has you not only a judgmental of yourself, but the law also would have you judge your neighbor. Ah, I see he didn't quite give the turtle dove today that he should have given. And I know he had a problem over there with that brother. And the, and the law requires that he go and offer a sacrifice of a turtle dove. He didn't do that. Oh, you know, he's probably going to be burning in hell for eternity because he failed to do the sacrifice that he should have done. I mean, you know, it, it's that kind of thinking that comes with the law. And I'll tell you, <clears throat> I don't have to translate this too far for you, but that's the, one of the problems with the modern church today uh, is the church uh, many times looks out there and says, well, if you don't do this and you don't do that and you don't do this, then you're burning in hell. They've got to, all the Jews, you know, because they don't believe in Christ, are going are to be in are not going to be in heaven one of these days. They've got all the the Muslims. They've got you know people that that are not haven't joined the church, haven't you know haven't been baptized. All these people are going to end up in hell because they haven't done what's God required. And I'll tell you, when it comes down to thinking. It's got to be on something I do. It makes you very judgmental of other people, okay? Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep. That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. He says, be careful. When you're judging other people, you know. Let's let's go back now. Let's put this in the con some of the context of what Paul's talking about. The Jews would have had a very uh, would have would have very much have tended to look at the Gentiles and say they're not God's children. They're not God's chosen people. Those old Gentile dogs. The gospel wasn't intended for them. But you know what? 
Paul's been telling the whole lesson. God's had a people among the Gentiles all along. He's had a people out there that he's blessed. And he says, they have a righteousness of, of the faith that's in them, like Abraham had the righteousness of faith that was in him. And they had it without the law. <laughs> Lo and behold, God can work even when the law's not there. God can work even when the word of God and the preacher's not there. So he says... Uh, the righteous, which is which is a faith, speaketh on this wise. Don't don't be so judgmental about all these things. But what saith it? What saith the righteousness of faith? The righteousness which comes from the faith that God has planted within us. Faith is a fruit of the spirit, right? So, what kind of righteousness? What kind of righteousness comes and flows? And what kind of belief comes from a heart that has faith planted within it? A faith that comes from God. What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Paul said, I'm preaching to you a word that's implanted in your heart by the very uh, life-giving voice of the Son of God. And it doesn't come by doing the steps of the law. But I desire that my people Israel, my brethren, uh, would have the same deliverance, the same salvation that Paul himself had gotten from believing in the Savior and the Messiah. He wanted them to have that as well. He said, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And the question, of course, is uh, as uh, Brother Obey said during a lot of times during his uh, uh, ordination service, and they were asking him various questions, saved from what? And that's a very important question for us to ask today. What is your confession and your belief save you from? Now, I'm going to pause here for just a moment uh, to go and grab a couple of verses from over in the for a book of First John chapter 4 and chapter 5 uh, because I think it's important for us to tie Scripture together uh, and again, uh, not try to preach... Uh, not try to preach a message from the Word of God without preaching. I know you can't preach every book of the Bible, <laughs> every sermon, but if we don't see that Scripture is all tied together and that Scripture's not uh, in Romans or other places in Scripture is not sitting out there on an island by itself to be explained separate from the rest of the Word of God, then we've missed some big. We've missed a big important principle in God's Word. In John chapter five, verse one, it says, "Whosoever believeth." That Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begot loveth him also, that's begotten of him. I don't think that's insignificant, the second half of that verse. Uh, because it's telling us that if you find a believer, you find a born-again soul. Okay? And if, you and if you're a born-again soul, you're supposed to not only love the one that begot you, but all those that are begotten by him. You're supposed to love the brethren. All right, so let's turn up and turn back over into uh, John, First John chapter four, uh, and we'll read. Uh, of course, you know this portion of scripture. You know that God that we love God because He first loved us, and uh, here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the atonement for our sins. That's verses. 10 and 11, uh, and so forth here in this portion of Scripture. But when we get down to verse 15, there's another whosoever verse. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Verse, uh, verse 15 of First John chapter 4. So we've got two verses here that in this uh, book by First uh, John that tell us when you find a believer, you find someone that's been born again, and when you find somebody that's made a confession with from their from their heart, you find somebody uh, that already that God dwells in this person. And that this person also dwells in God. So you can't make a confession of belief in Jesus Christ if God doesn't dwell in you and you in God. And you're not going to find a believer except one that's already born again. So you put that into context and then you go back over here to Romans 10 and where he's telling 
us uh, that the word of God, which is, uh, which is the implanting of God's faith within us, he said it's nigh us, it's even in our mouths and so forth. And he says, and if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, confession of what? Uh, if you confess that you love the Lord, if you confess that I believe in Jesus Christ, uh, if you confess all these things, it's evidence that God already dwells in you, okay? So he says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Let's keep reading. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Uh, <clears throat> not to become righteous, but he believes unto righteousness. Our belief is to, that we should believe that we need to believe, lead a more righteous life. That we need to believe that God uh, placing his love within our heart should cause us to want to be more righteous or more uh, loving, more charitable, more kind, more gracious. All those things that come with serving God. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It does not to to be saved, uh, but you confess what God has already done unto you. That's what we're to confess. We're to confess that God has saved us, and we're to confess and believe unto righteousness or unto the doing of righteousness. Our belief should lead us to do righteous things. I mean, that's, that's what this is saying. And the whole picture is pointing back to Abraham that believed, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, and God blessed him. Okay? So, he says, uh, with the, with the uh, if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thine heart. I'm going to get on. You know, you, I asked earlier, what's it going to save you from? I think the, the scriptures here answered it. We just keep, keep plowing right on through this. Uh, and thou shalt believe with thy heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. We, you know, I, there's a whole sermon I preached a number of years ago on, uh, about not being ashamed. Not to be ashamed of the gospel. Not to be ashamed of Jesus Christ. The scriptures teach us to not be ashamed of who our Savior is. And so that, that shows up in our lives when we don't follow Him. We don't believe Him. We don't do what He says. And we don't publicly tell people, I'm a, I'm a believer. You know, I'm, I'm, I'd have to tell you this morning, uh, I'm, a great, I'm a great admirer. I go back to thinking about... Uh, you know, every now and then you'll read these stories that remind you of things like this. But y'all remember a number of years ago at Columbine out in Colorado, you had a school out there where two young boys had decided, hey, we're going to go lock this thing down and we're going to kill our classmates and teachers and whatever there, you know. And it, uh, and, and the question was asked by, by these young men to several of these people as they were putting the gun to their head, uh, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? And they said yes. And they shot him. <clears throat> I'm telling you, when you're facing certain death and you will not recant, you will not say, no, I don't believe. You say, yes, I believe. I'm telling you, there's something about that that you're not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to be called uh, a believer. I'm not ashamed even if it means my death. I'm not ashamed to confess my Lord. And he says, For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness. I'll say this, uh, add into this, I guess you say, you know, without unless your old heart and stony heart has been changed into a heart of flesh, it can't believe anything, uh, spiritually speaking. Uh, there has to be a change made to the heart first. So when he says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth in him should not be ashamed. For there is no difference. That's We get to this portion of scripture. There's no difference, he says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The way God has delivered the Jew and the Greek is exactly the same. The way he has saved the African, the, the, the American, the, the British, the Chinese, the, the, the South American, the uh, whatever nationality. The way he's delivered these people is all the same. There is no difference. 
For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. You know, it doesn't matter if you're if you're African American or or. A European American or an American American, you know, it doesn't matter what you are. God is rich to all that call upon Him. You call upon the name of the Lord. God hears your prayer. God hears your heart. He hears. Uh, he hears. Uh, if if someone truly confesses and calls upon the Lord, it doesn't matter if they're uh, Greek or Jew or they're uh, uh, they're Catholic or they're Mormon or they're Baptist or they're Primitive Baptist or they're you know whatever group of folks you want. He says he hears all those that call upon His name. <clears throat> For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is over all, is rich in all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, and, and now let's let's keep going. I, if you stop there, you say, saved from what? Right? I mean, keep that in keep that in the back of your mind. How then shall they call on Him whom they have not believed? Who's going to call on a God that they don't believe in? Who's going to call on someone to deliver them from their trials, their problems, their issues, their their sufferings, their agonies, their uh, pressures of life? Who's going to call on someone they don't believe in? How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? Don't forget the context. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, Right? How are they going to call on someone that they don't believe in, right? How shall they call on him whom they've not believed? How shall they believe on him whom they've not heard? How are the Jews going to call on this Messiah if somebody's not out there telling them about the Messiah's come? How's that going to happen? How shall they believe on him whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How are they going to hear if somebody doesn't go... Deliver the word to them. This salvation that comes from the hearing of God's word, preached word, is not deliverance to heaven when you die or deliverance from eternal woe and torment, but there is a deliverance from hearing and believing the gospel. You don't believe it? Go back and look at Abraham. Abraham believed God. It was accounted unto him for righteousness. God blessed him over there with with a son and told him, In thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Right? All right, so he says, and how shall they preach except they be sent? <clears throat> you know, we talked about that. We've been blessed here in the last couple of years with a couple of young men that have been ordained into the ministry. You know what? God has to call those people into the ministry. It's not something you can just decide to get up and go do. People may do that. Uh, you probably get some sad results <laughs> from that. From people just deciding on their own, hey, I think this is a good vocation. Looks like pretty good, uh, you know. Uh, well, anyway, <laughs> won't go down that trail. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, the, if people are saying, hey, I just looks like something would be a good occupation. You, you know, you, uh, you you're working one day a week, so it looks like a pretty good, pretty good deal to me. Uh, but anyway, how shall they preach except they be set? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. God's people. People need to hear the preaching of God's word, and it needs to be from somebody that's sent of the Lord to come and preach good tidings, peace, deliverance from the sins, and so forth, and, and, and the preaching of God's word. But then Paul asked the question, but have they not all obeyed the gospel? Have they not all obeyed? For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, if this faith is the same faith that's talked about in Galatians 5.22 as being a fruit of the Spirit, then boy, we've got a big problem. But if this faith is a talk about our faith, this faith is the faith once delivered unto the saints. This faith is, as Brother Gary said a few weeks ago, it's faith B, uh, not faith A. Uh, if, if this faith is talking about our belief in the Savior comes from hearing, and Paul's saying, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, for I bear them record they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. If this faith is the faith he has under consideration, that they need to hear God's word so that they know whom they have faith in, 
then we've got an answer to the, to the series of, of discussion that's going on here by the Apostle Paul. And he says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? <laughs> it, it, didn't God somewhere along the way say, You ought to be able to look at the stars, the sky, and the whole creation, and believe that there is a God, and believe uh, that there's a Savior? Didn't, God, didn't God's word tell us in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, that God's word went out to all nations that day, that there were people there out of nations from all, of all the Jews uh, were gathered together of every nation? Why? Because it was Pentecost. It was one of those feast times that they were to gather together every year in Jerusalem. And so they were gathered together. Peter's preaching. Hasn't, hasn't the word gone out? Haven't they, haven't they heard? <clears throat> so he says, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words to the end of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. That's the Gentiles. <laughs> God is provoking his hard-headed, stiff-necked people by people that they thought were no people. They thought the Gentiles were nothing. They thought they were not to be. And now, all of a sudden, this New Testament church has come along. Christ has come along. Uh, Christ has died. The apostles have gone out. And boy, the Gentiles are believing it. Uh, Paul's going out and preaching to these people. He's preaching to the ones that are in uh, Asia Minor. He's preaching to uh, all those churches that we've talked about as we went through the book of Acts. Uh, he's preached uh, over, in, uh, over in Greece. He's talked to Corinth. He's, he's talked to those at Rome. And the, yeah, there's some Jews that are believing, but the Gentiles are believing too. And, and Paul is explaining again to these people, I told you, God has a people in every kindred nation tongue. I know that's I know that's John's writing in Revelation, but it's still God has a people among the Gentiles as well as the Jews. And he says, "But did not is uh, but did not is but I say did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation, uh, by a foolish nation." Let me go, 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 foolish nation, I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was found by people, it's prophesied by Isaiah, that the Gentiles were going to hear and believe and find this same Jehovah God that was the God of Israel. Isaiah was very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest to them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he saith, all the day long, I've stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is they might be saved. They, God has pleaded with them over and over and over again. Turn from your wicked ways. Uh, I, I, it may be over. It was Brother Adam was talking the other night, talking about Deuteronomy. I set before you this day. Good and evil, life and death. I set before you obedience and, and, and disobedience, if you will. I set before you the following me and follow after me and be blessed. And be blessed like Abraham was blessed. A righteousness that comes through belief and following God. There's a blessing to God's people from believing and following after him. This whole idea of we don't need that is so far into the scriptures uh, that you know, it makes me want to scream sometimes to even think that uh, there, there might have been a time among our people. It's like, well, you don't, need to, you, know, you don't need to believe. Well, I'd sit here and say, you know, God is over to come our unbelief, okay? But I'm telling you, belief is important to you and to your family and to follow after God's word. It's very important to us. And it was so much so that Paul said he was willing to be accursed for his brethren, uh, the, the Israelites, if, if they could just see what he sees. And he desires for them to be delivered from their fact of trying to keep the law and do all these things. He says, just confess, just believe. And you'll, there's a salvation, a deliverance that comes from believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of all those that God gave him to say. All right, I've got to, I, I can't just stop at the end of 10 without going over to 11 for just a second, but I know I won't finish 11 today. No way, no how. Anyway, so, but he says, so 
okay, God's trying to provoke his children Israel to, to, to jealousy by the Gentiles, the people that were no people, because these people are going to hear and believe and so forth, and it's been prophesied, and here we are, we're seeing it. So he, Paul says, I say then, have God cast away his people? Talking about the Jews. Has God cast away his people? God forbid. For I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Listen to these words. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. Whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. I'm telling you, he's telling us plainly those that God knew in the covenant of grace before the foundation of the world, Jew, Gentile, whatever they might be, God has not cast away his people which he foreknew. And he's specifically pointing here and talking about the Jews that he didn't cast them away forever. He's trying to provoke them to jealousy. As we get on down into Romans 11, he's going to tell us he blinded them. And, this, and, he cut them and, and then he uses the illustration of an olive tree where he cut the branches off because of their unbelief. And he grafted in the wild olive branches, the Gentiles, into this tree which gets its sustenance from the root... And I tell you, I see a beautiful picture of the of the of, of belief and following after God in righteousness. That's what He grafted the Gentiles into. He did not graft them into salvation. Suddenly, come along, Jesus comes along. I'm just telling you this because people teach these things that suddenly the Gentiles got grafted into salvation. That did not happen that day, my friends. The the natural olive branches got cut off because of their unbelief from the fellowship of the gospel and so forth, but not all the branches because Paul says, I'm an Israelite. <laughs> I, I believe. But there's through the election of grace. Amen. There's an, he goes on and teaches here in Romans 11 that even in the belief of the children of Israel, there is an election or a choice made that he blinded some and others he revealed it to. What are we to say? Is there unrighteousness with God because he revealed his truths to some and didn't reveal them to others? God forbid. Has he cast away his people which he foreknew even though they didn't, they're blinded and they didn't see the truth of God's word? No. But there sure is a blessing to those that see it, believe it, and follow it right here. And then he gives, y'all will get to hear the details of this next week. But the, the detail is, then he gives the warning to those wild olive branches that are grafted in. He said, don't boast against those branches that are laying over there that are cut off from the, from the things of God's word. Because if God cut off the natural branches, he can cut you off too. And that's a warning to every one of us in the church today to be mindful of the fact we can be cut off from the fellowship and the love of God and seeing God's blessings in our lives. Okay. Love you. Hope, hope some of that made sense. Romans 10 is vastly used and widely used by uh, the denominational world to teach, you know, just believe, confess, and so forth, and you'll be saved. And uh, so we need to understand what that's teaching, right? And... Uh, and to have some basis behind it as we go through and study God's Word. So may God bless you is my prayer uh, as we conclude for today.